Hey, I'm Bob Runkle, and for as long as I can remember, I've loved pop culture. Despite the challenges I've faced in my life, pop culture has always been there for me. I love talking to people and being a platform for others to share their thoughts and stories. Because if there's one thing I never get tired of, it's seeing driven, talented, and inspiring individuals follow their dreams, no matter what obstacles are in their way. And I know a thing or two about that. Welcome to the DJ Bob Show. I'm DJ Bob. Roll it. The DJ Bob Show. Pop culture, past and present. And now, here's your host, DJ Bob. Hamster and Gretel is a brand new Disney animated series premiering on August 12th. And today, I'm joined by Brock Powell. They voice the character Fish Puncher on the series, as well as many other characters. They talk about working with the series creator Dan Pavenmeyer, diversity and disability inclusion, and so much more. This conversation runs the gamut, and it's a really impactful one for me, but also for him as well. And I truly hope you enjoy this conversation. So, before we get started here, would you mind introducing yourself and your pronouns, please? Yeah, of course. Um, my name is Brock Powell. My pronouns are they, them, or he, if you prefer. All good for me. Um, I'm a voice actor for uh, a lot of animated shows, but currently Hamster and Gretel. And I'm so happy to have you here, because this has been high on my list, because as well as a pop culture podcast, the secondary theme is diversity and inclusion, and I know you're all about that. And I wanted yeah. to I wanted to discuss that at a point too. But let's let's talk about the new show. I mean, you're working with some heavy hitters on Hamster right. and Gretel here. So I mean for lack of a better term are you okay? Like, because you're, you're like, with these <laughs> legends here. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Well, um, yeah, I think I'm okay. I think I'm doing okay. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely, it's one of those things, you know, before we started the, the show, we were talking a little bit about other voice actors that we know. I think it's one of those things that I'm constantly in the presence of people whose work I respect and admire, right? You, you, you know? And so it's hard for me sometimes to not, um, <clears throat> you know, sort of fan out when I'm, I'm in these situations where I'm working with like Allison and, and uh, Michael Cimino and Dan and, um, and just the entire, the entire cast of the show and also our writers. Our writers are legendary. And, uh, you know, not just Phineas and Ferb. I mean, we've got um, Josh Pruitt, Jim Bernstein, um, Joa Hausman, and all these writers uh, in that room are bringing um, just like grade A comedy. So I, I think I'm I'm super intimidated sometimes, pun intended, recording these scripts because I know that the level of comedy needs to be there. And it's not just, um, you know, it's never just about the acting. It's, it, sorry, it's never just about the voices. It is about the acting. It's, it's about being able to deliver um, these punchlines, and in the case of my character, quite literally, Fist Puncher, um, I get quite a few punchlines. So, <laughs> yeah, sure. I love it. I mean, when I first saw the trailer for the show, I knew that I had to do some publicity for it because it is right up my alley. It's so irreverent and so wacky and so kind of breaking the fourth wall and sort of like self-aware I just love it yeah no it's got that it's got that sort of like I don't know loose zaniness of Phineas and Ferb where you feel like anything can happen I mean you know just in the trailers and stuff you see without giving too much away <clears throat> you see these moments where Gretel is literally calling out a punch and and interacting with the font which is such a, a, a funny comedic device um, but I love it because as a, a fan of superheroes and stuff, I mean, the show kind of feels somewhere between Batman 66 
um, and the Avengers. It's it's just a really great mashup of all these different super genres. And I think it's going to be so fun for families to get to watch together. And I think that's what I'm most excited about is uh, being, being able to create content and make content that, that reaches kids and kids at heart, no matter the age. Um, I think it's really cool. So as a voiceover artist and as a fan of this stuff, mm-hmm. how familiar were you with Dan's work? Um, Dan and I met, and, and please feel free to cut me off if I ramble because I'm, I'm oh, long-winded. We're here. It's fine. Um, Dan and I met years ago, and I don't even think he, he remembers, um, but I used to work at the parks. I was a Disney employee. Um, so I'm one of those rare um, voice actors, and there are a handful of us that start at the resort or, or a Disney property and then work our way into, you know, getting a chance to do voiceover. It's never guaranteed, but I tell people um, it's amazing. And this company is so great to work with because I think you're with people who respect the passion and the magic and, and we all want to kind of do the same thing. So I, I actually met Dan years ago, briefly when the Phineas and Ferb parade was at <laughs> Disney's California Adventure, because I was assisting with another in-park show, which I won't name, but I was a part of another thing. And I remember seeing him in Swampy, and I think we we met super briefly, but it wasn't until about six or seven years after that, I want to say. I mean, my time is, is so weird, but we actually worked together on Milo Murphy's Law, which was his show preceding this I love, one. I love so, that show. I, uh, Milo is really, really close to my heart. So Milo was my first full Disney series. I've done some guest stars and some other things. And, um, it, it definitely was, uh, an amazing, amazing opportunity to work with Dan and, and get to know that. Cause I, I actually stepped in to provide creature voices for a lot of the characters in that. So if you go and watch Milo Murphy's law, um, in the pilot, I, I voice the alien that abducts Milo and Zach. And oh, yeah. I come. <laughs> yeah. So that was me. And so, and then that was the first time I've got to be a part of a series from start to finish, basically. And then I um, continue to voice other characters, uh, including Dr. Not Sorry in the season two there for Milo. So it was really, really cool um, to kind of just build that. So sort of build the rhythm. Um, Cause I think the thing with, with Dan and on that show, Swampy as well, is there's such a rhythm of, of the way these characters speak and the way they kind of interact in this world. Um, so I think when Dan and I first worked together, the thing I, I, I appreciated, you know, after being a fan for so long was his, his uh, comedy comes first. It's always about what's funniest. And so there's no ego about, um, you know, we do multiple takes, we improvise, we come up with stuff and we're always trying to punch it up to make the show as funny as possible. And that's at every level. I mean, I think everybody's sort of sort, kind of empowered to throw out jokes and ideas and our voice director, Sarah Sherman's really great about that. Um, and Sarah had worked on Phineas and Ferb and, and is a casting director now. And um, yeah, so it, it's just great. And, and working with Dan is literally a dream come true because the things that he comes up with are, so on point and so funny and it's just it's so fun to be a part of it what i love about this show and i've seen a a bunch of it so far is that as funny as it is and as zany and wacky you never see another character making fun of each other no of course and actually that that was something i loved about um milo was and I think that's sort of in the spirit of, of all these shows, Phineas and Ferb and Milo and, and Hamster and Gretel. There's this amazing ability where the punchline is never a person, right? And we're all kind of laughing at a situation. Even look at Doofenshmirtz, you know, from Phineas and Ferb. That character could have been a one-note gag, but was filled out with such heart and, and developed to the point where you are deeply invested in this tragic character, <laughs> can't catch a break. And I think that's, that's where Dan goes from comedic genius to just genius storyteller. And, and I think that's something about the show I really love um, because yeah, Kevin is left out. Kevin doesn't have superpowers. And, and I think at least it's not something Dan and I talked about, but I, I grew up with a sister who was the smarter one and, and definitely worked harder at school. And 
Um, I had ADHD and uh, my sister was neurotypical and had the ability to, to get stuff done. And so I, I kind of relate to Kevin in a sense of watching, you know, <laughs> watching my sister be able to get things done and get credit for stuff. And then I, I, you know, I was the one with the job working after school and trying to save up for stuff. And um, yeah, so, so it's, it's cool. And it's really cool too, that Kevin is, is included, right? Kevin's a part of it. Like the fact that Kevin doesn't have superpowers sort of in an Encanto kind of way is the superpower because he brings the perspective of a normal person that I think Gretel is missing. Right. Yeah. And that's something that I like sort of gravitated towards because so many times as a wheelchair user, we're often the butt of the joke. Right. And we're the, we're the easy laugh, but I feel like now there's so much inclusiveness in everything that that's becoming less and less and less. I just love the inclusivity of the show, and I'm so glad that if there was a character in a wheelchair to come up, I wouldn't be worried about it. Because it's inclusivity and underlying theme of this otherwise just awesome show. Right. No, I think you're, I think you're right. And I think the idea that, that you can trust a show like this to have heart and intention in the comedy and make sure that the common, the, the comedy never comes at the expense of, of, of a human or an individual's storyline. And I think that's one of the through lines of, of Dan's work and, because I, I do, I think the power of these shows collectively is we're all laughing together and we're not laughing at one particular yeah. instance, right? So I, I'm with you on that. So can we talk a bit about your character? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, I voice a few characters. I can, I, I think I can talk about two of them. Uh, so my main, uh, my main character is Lyle, who is uh, the fist puncher, who's one of the, um, uh, one half of a, a superhero, uh, sorry, supervillain duo opposite my in-show in, in sister, Allison Stoner, who voices uh, Lauren, the Destructress. And she sort of leads the team and I'm sort of the muscle in, in that kind of dynamic. So it, it's a little bit, uh, a little bit of a riff on, on that kind of, um, uh, you know, supervillain team. I love that. Uh, I've always been a fan of, of those, those brutal characters, you know, like the thing from Fantastic Four and the Hulk. And so it's kind of fun to, to put that together with like a, a sort of like teenage Polly Shore. I kind of compare um, Fist Puncher to Biff Tannen from Back to the Future, if you remember yes, that character. Yes, yes. Yeah. So Tom Wilson is also a huge inspiration. Um, I think what he does in that series is so great and he's gone on to be an amazing voice actor so shout out to tom wilson but i'm sort of stealing biff tannen and a little bit of Polly shore from encino man it is so funny because <laughs> it's so funny because the episode right before you is with marvin berry from back to the future oh that's funny yeah that's funny so it's funny that you say that i totally get that teenage sort of vibe but you know it's so it's such a cool character yeah it, there's something really fun about like I, I i also know you know no pun intended get to do the heavy lifting on all of the um i get to do a lot of the exertions and and lyle comes in and, and typically um if there's something that needs smashing or 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 punching or twisting or wrecking that's my character and so there's a lot of over-the-top um action and and the animation just turned out so great it's so fun to see these things because when we record them you know alice and i have been working on this since the pilot we we both were were voicing the characters since the original um the original pilot and she had recorded they, they recorded first and then i had a chance to listen back to what we had done opposite each other. And it was just random because we had not listened to each other, but our voices, our natural choices and intonation really like it was, it was pretty crazy. They, they really go, go well together. I love the dynamic so much. I think it's so cool. 
Oh, thank you. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan of Allison. And so getting a chance to work, work, uh, work with her was just a, an absolute joy because Allison brings, um, and having just met at San Diego Comic-Con, uh, Allison brings so much heart to the work and it's so evident that, um, you know, I, I think sometimes when, when people think of uh, celebrity voiceover, sometimes it, it can be one of those things where someone's like, oh, they're just, you know, um, going in and they're recording in their voice or whatever. And that is not the case on this show. That is not the case with Allison. Every single guest star that we have and our co-stars are, are amazing actors. And the, the, the life that they create in these characters is just absolutely Awesome. And, and I'm really excited for people to meet the guest stars. Like, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's some really great guest stars. And, um, you know, it's sort of a villain of the week show, which having ADHD is right up my alley when I was a kid. Um, so I'm really excited for people to uh, get to meet these new characters. Yeah. And so let's talk about recording this show during a pandemic. What is that process like for you? How did it go down? Well, typically the way, so I'll just say really quick, for those who don't know, when we, when we do voiceover recordings, typically in what I call the before times prior to 2020, we were mostly going into studio, um, not so much altogether as a cast. That was kind of a, a, you know, a thing, especially in the 80s and the 90s, group records were really big. When I got into the business, it became a little less, um, a, a little less prominent, only just because it's easier to have one person in at a time so that you're not having to do retakes for tech in case you make someone laugh. And with this show, that would definitely have happened. So we, we, we typically record in, in a, in a studio and you'll have your director, your producer, uh, and the voice director, um, in the booth across from you. And you're performing with in front of probably a handful of people, maybe, you know, a couple of engineers, so six to seven people you're reading the scripts and, uh, recording for like an hour or two through the pandemic what changed was that was all still happening but now instead of a you know multi-million dollar recording studio now we're at home in our small homemade booths i happen to have a, I, i'm a lucky actor where the, i have a home studio that's converted and and i had that you know prior to the pandemic but uh, a lot of you know there were a lot of actors recording in their closets or con you know converted garages and moving blankets and so it was really cool to see the ingenuity there. Um, and I have to say that, like, they don't get enough credit, but the team at Disney Television Animation, who made sure that basically, like, working with the sound engineers to make sure that we had mic kits if we need them or, or figuring out, like, because one of the things you don't think about is in recording a show, typically we all record on the same microphone, right? So even if we're recording at different times, it'll at least sound similar because you've got an actor on the same microphone in the same recording space. Yeah, you can easily tell. And as a podcaster, I can pick that. You can tell, right? Yeah. So, so now imagine having a show with especially, you know, the, this type of show where there's 20 different actors, right? So imagine all of the, the editing that goes in to make, make it sound like we're all in the same place, um, we're all recording at the same time. I mean, the level of, of post-production uh, that, that went into making that happen, especially in the early pandemic, is so impressive. Because if you go back, like, um, Phineas and Ferb, Candace Against the Universe was the movie that we recorded prior to the pandemic. But when the movie was about to come out, we had to do pickup sessions. Oh, a oh ADR, yeah. Yeah, so we had to do ADR and we had to go in... Um, so now we're recording in different settings and different microphones. Uh, we're not in the studio we were when we initially did it. And I, I can't even tell you what lines we did in post because it was that flawless. Um, so it was really cool. And, and that situation was really cool. Um, Cause at the time when that movie was happening and recording, I think my booth was under, under refurbishment. So I actually recorded um, at the voice of Ferb's house uh, <laughs> and used Ferb's booth, which is really funny. Um, so it's definitely a family. These shows really create a, a dynamic of, um, you know, camaraderie that I, I don't think I've experienced on other shows quite like this. Um, and I, especially after San Diego Comic-Con, I call them my ham fam because just this whole cast, uh, Michael and, and Melly and everybody just, you're just rooting for each other. And there's just so much, there's so much love 
um, and appreciation for the other artists involved. It's just really cool. Now, what character on this show, aside from yours, your various, would be your best friend if you met them in person? Oh, what a great question. Um, I feel like I would have been Kevin. Yeah. So I feel like my, my, I feel like my personal, I would have been Kevin. That's who I would have been. But I, I'd say my best friend would probably be Hamster. I mean, I'm, I love animals. I'm in my head. All my animals talk anyway. So that's, I would say my hamster. You might want to check on that. That might be problematic. <laughs> no, um, no, I can see that. I feel like I'm Kevin. Honestly, I love this whole show and how it's not just a cast of characters. It's an ensemble, and you really see that. Yeah, no, we really, we really are, and and I think that's it, it, the fact that we created this ensemble feel, and none of us had really recorded or met prior to the pandemic for all you know safety reasons. It. It's amazing. And I'm, I'm just so excited. I mean, Friday or whenever the show, <laughs> sorry, I'm not sure when this podcast airs, but when the show premieres on August 12th, I'm really, really excited for people to be able to um, dive into the world and, and the early access on Disney plus is so cool. Uh, I, I just, I think people are going to want to see as much of this show as quickly as possible. So I'm really glad that's happening. I'm so glad that people get to see this for sure. Now, Going away from Hamster for a second. Yeah. We've been in the same circles forever. Yes. Yes. And the thing that I always kind of admired about you and the reason why, why I wanted to connect with you especially is your love of diversity and inclusion and just loving because you basically advocate for everyone. So what does diversity and inclusion mean to you? Uh, I mean, it means everything, Bob. I think it really does. It, it's, um, I had a really unique upbringing where my, um, my father wasn't in the picture um, pretty early on. So my grandparents um, took me in and through that experience, I got, I just got a different viewpoint. And, and you know, I think sometimes we, we don't think of things like being raised by a different generation, right? And, and uh, it's so easy nowadays too, to be like, oh, you know, um, grandparents say crazy things. But I just was open very, at an early age, I was very open to other perspectives. And my grandparents were very encouraging uh, about exploring ideas and traveling. And, and um, I just had, I, I think that as an actor, the goal is to create characters that speak to everybody. So my interest is always about what makes us the same rather than what makes us different. And not mm -hmm. to dismiss what makes us different because that is also a conversation. Um, cause I, I think so many people are quick to say like, well, you know, it doesn't matter. We're all the same. No, no, it, it definitely matters. And that definitely is a factor. And, and one of the things that I try to do as an actor and an advocate, I work with a couple different groups. Um, one of which, which is, uh, basically focused on assisting voice actors in the LGBTQ plus community, um, with getting access to training, because a lot of times, um, you know, in voiceover now, inclusivity or what I call authenticity additionally is becoming more of a, more of a conversation, which is now we want characters voiced um, for audiences by people that look and sound like the audience is receiving the character. And I think that is so important and imperative, but one of the conversations that doesn't happen is a lot of times people don't have the same access economically or even educationally in, in uh, you know, to voiceover classes and things like that, at least in my community. So one of the things I, I do with this group, which is called Queervox, we work um, and create basically a pay what you can program um, to allow um, actors of, of all various uh, 
genders and sexualities a chance to learn about the craft. Um, and there's different organizations I work with, a couple others that are focused on, you know, doing mic drives for other actors from economic differences so that, you know, to, to my point earlier, the last couple of years made it really difficult to be an actor and not have access to a microphone. Well, I, I didn't come from a lot of money. I, I uh, uh, you know, I've been working since I was 16 years old in different various capacities. And voiceover is an incredible field, but, but the level of um, investment and technical investment in your training and, and all that stuff, it's very expensive. And so I, I have a, a really big, um, a really big heart for actors that are trying to make it um, and, and saving and investing that might not have the family backing, uh, which I certainly didn't, you know. So I, I think that's one of the things that's also part of the part of the conversation. But as far as inclusivity goes with characters, I think it opens the world getting to know different viewpoints and that, you know, that in, can, can include um, age gaps and, and different viewpoints from different genders, sexualities, ethnicities, religions. I think it is so imperative to have an open mind because these are all part of the same story. And if you only focus on listening to the stories that resonate with you and don't challenge you, you are going to miss out on, on some amazing people. And, I, and yeah, absolutely. Right. So if I can interject here, I wish uh, you would. Yeah, please. On this podcast, I never used to talk about my disability at all mm. because I didn't want it to become the focus of our show. I didn't want it to become the make-a-wish approach. Yeah, I, I understand that. But then once I started talking about it, and I've said this on every single episode of every, every guest, but I'm going to tell you because in the conversation here, once I started talking about it, it created a whole new conversation between me and the guest. And I wow. wasn't just interviewing them. I was talking to them. It was right. back and forth, like you and I are having now. And I'm so glad that I started talking about it. Because when I was a kid, I couldn't play outside. So voiceover right. and TV and music and all these pop culture things, they they mean the world to me more than the average person because they literally shaped who I am because I had no other choice. I'm, I'm getting uh, <clears throat> emotional, but in a good way. I think it's, it's really important to experience emotions. Um, yeah, Bob, I, um, I think the courage to talk about the things like that that are unique about us and that that do impact us and can make life challenging and in other ways rewarding in ways other people wouldn't know i think it's so important but you know we we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier but like i you know i identify as non-binary and uh, neurodiverse and i lead with those things because i think for me my hope is by by sharing that information I'm giving someone, some kid like me or someone at my age or, or around, you know, even looking backwards to make a change to be able to go, wow, that person can embrace that aspect of themselves and share that. And that can be a goalpost or at least an encouragement to someone who may not know that like, you know, for, for my entire life, my, my gender was something that was really difficult for me. And, and I, didn't grow up with a great role model of masculinity. My, my, uh, you know, and I grew up in a home that had had some um, difficulties, and it was really I was raised by my mom and sister, and so I had a lot of different aspects and perspectives in my life. And I think once I started sharing honestly and openly, and and I'm lucky that, you know, I've got a partner who's incredibly supportive, and and a community, especially my Disney family, that's just so amazingly. Uh, no one blinks an eye. It's just absolutely go Brock. You know, it's just, I get to share and speak from the heart and it's influencing the stories. It's influencing the characters. My, who I am is going to naturally change the, the stories that we tell. So I think sometimes, 
yeah, I'm, I, I really appreciate you sharing and, and, and talking about that because that's, that's an experience I don't have, right, Bob? But I, I also think you and I have common ground where it's like, yeah, these characters are literally my family. When, when I was a kid, um, you know, I, I get left at home. Unfortunately, my parents worked a lot and I was basically raised by the Disney afternoon. And I mean, what wait, a be- what a better way. <laughs> no better right, way. Right? So now I say I have Disney afternoons, mornings and evenings. Um, but I, uh, I'll tell you one quick story. I, I, um, I struggled a lot with making mistakes. And, and part of that was my, uh, as a kid, I, I, I had a hard time with, um, you know, from a young age, coloring inside the lines, but even chores and things were really hard. And it, part of it was I had ADHD that went unmedicated and un, unstructured. Um, so as a kid, it became really, really difficult to, to do things. I was really hard on myself. I became a perfectionist. And I remember watching an episode of Goof Troop where Goofy and Max, um, something had happened and Max had made a mistake and either a trailer or something became unhitched and there was a huge disaster, which in real life would have I'd been grounded until I was 50. But at that time, I remember the takeaway was it was 11 minutes, right? Cartoons are 11 minutes. Yeah. So this huge disaster that would have ruined these characters' lives happened in 11 minutes. At the end, Goofy came in and delivered this beautiful monologue about making mistakes and laughing. And then immediately Goofy falls and, you know, does the aha hui. And that was the reason that when I decided to get into voiceover, I wrote a letter to Bill Farmer and asked him to be my mentor. And that is an aspect of this that I think is really unique to my story, which is I got to learn from the person that raised me as a child, you know, that, that, that voiced the character that I modeled a lot of my life choices after. Um, and so I think that's one of the reasons I try to be an advocate and accessible to people that want to get into voiceover um, because I, I, I want it. To, I think there's room for everybody. I think there is room for everybody in this industry and it's needed. And so if I can help, like Bill has helped me, um, that, that's something I can never thank him for enough, right? He opened doors and, and taught me that the things that I thought made me weird were my superpowers. Take, take that full circle, right? You know, thank you for being so vulnerable with me as well, because yeah, it's all about, this is not an interview. This is a conversation, and this is a conversation that needs to be had. So, I'm glad that we're having it. Sure. For sure. Now, on that note, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a switcheroo here. Yeah. Do you have any questions for me about what I do, my work, or, yeah. you know, how it kind of, we're just having a conversation. What do you want to know? Well, so when you're, because I know that we had met um, at some, I think you're like me, where you're not, when you're not working, do you go to fan events still and, and try to, like, how do you separate the fan side from the work side? That's something that I'm still trying to figure out. <laughs> Well, the thing is, I kind of merge the two uh, because I'm a fan. It gives me the work, but I also try to explain to people I'm not just a fan. I have reasons to talk about these things and talk to these people, and it's a really it's a really interesting balance that you have to play around with. You said you were interviewing Marvin Berry, which is awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you make a list of like? Like, do you have like a bucket list of like, uh, or I would call it, I call it the book it list on my, on my voiceover board. Like these are characters I need to book it before I, you know, can't book anymore. <laughs> uh, are there guests or, or franchises that you're like, oh, Christopher Lloyd, Back to the Future, gotta, gotta interview him. Absolutely. Most of the people on my list are either people that I've grown up with, but now it used to be on nostalgia all the time. But now it's, if I want to interview my ninth grade history teacher about how much they impacted me. I'll do that. Yeah. So it human it humanizes it a little more. And the moment I had the opportunity to talk to you, I jumped on it because I knew we would connect in really quick. Yeah, I, I mean, it, I'm, I'm honored to have been asked to, to be a part of this because I know, you know, we were talking a little bit. I know what it is that you 
started out doing, but it seems like the, the podcast now is becoming, like you were saying, this really important conversation and emerging of, of, of different topics. I mean, pop culture is kind of that cross section where, you, you know, we can think of different cartoon series, you and I, and I could tell you different life events or different things that are associated with, um, you know, like Tasmania was one of my favorites as a kid. And, and I, I started getting into Tasmania and Tiny Toons and watching all that stuff when we were having a different, I was moving and I was stressed because we had to move a lot. And uh, I, I can associate different cartoons I kind of hyper fixated with. And now to be in a place where you know, I'm friends with one of my best friends is Eric Bowser, who voices uh, Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck. And to be friends with a Looney Tune and, and to share that, um, you know, and we, we both have it. And, and then Eric and I have a mutual obsession with Ghostbusters, right? So oh, we, yeah. we, neither of us have worked on, I've done some work for Ghostbusters, um, uh, doing some, some voice match stuff, but neither of us have at this point worked on anything major major ghostbuster related but i call it um, fanifesting which is we're both professional actors we're working like i i um, have been lucky enough to work with sony in the past on some things and we will go to the fan events just as fans so we were um we got a chance to go to the ghostbusters afterlife screening out in los angeles uh outdoors it was for the the um ecto fest thing and oh, yeah. afterwards, you like, got some ecto cooler. Absolutely, too? absolutely. And afterwards, um, had a chance to actually go like grab dinner with Jason Reitman, which was wild. And because you just can, because you just can do that. Well, because you. Well, I, I honestly think it was. It's the connection of fandom, and and that's my my whole point with this was not just name dropping the thing, but it was like. We're all fans of it. Jason Reitman is the ultimate Ghostbuster fan and work backwards to, you know, my fandom and, and friendship with Eric. And each of us are working in these different aspects of Disney and Warner Brothers. And, and I think for me, it's fandom is the fuel of what I do. And so my garage, um, and I'll have to send you pictures of it. It basically, I've designed my studio to look like a blockbuster store because that yeah. was the point I know, right? So you walk in and there's VHS tapes. My All my friends think I'm a lunatic, but there is something about popping in, coming to Disney VHS and that Mark Elliott voiceover. There's something about that. When the, he died, I, oh, I cried. <laughs> I did too. Yeah, he, he, I got to meet Mark Elliott one time. And I think it was one of those situations where all I said, and it was it, you know, these voiceover things, we, we aren't, you know, you're not walking around with a sign going, oh, I'm Brock. I work on Hamster and Gretel. Like you, you we, we know vaguely who's working in the industry, but you have promo actors and, and actors who specialize in commercials. So I knew Mark Elliott right away when he opened his mouth. I didn't know who he was because I didn't, you know, have a face to it. But as soon as I heard him talk to someone, I was like, I'm so sorry. Are you the trailer announcer from the Disney VHS movies? And he was like, and, yes. And, <laughs> yeah. and now our feature, feature presentation. presentation. Yeah, yes, absolutely. I've got chills. I've been, my hair's standing on end right now. Because back in your mark, you know where you were when you heard that. Mm -hmm. While you were eating. If you were eating Dunkaroos, you were eating Dunkaroos. <laughs> basically, it checks up where you were, what you were doing, and who you're with and the impact that it had. Yeah. And, and I think honestly, the reason that I've done that for myself is it puts me in a headspace of, and this is absolutely true before I go and I audition or I do a session. If I'm in my home studio, I put on a, a I've got all the Disney afternoon VHSs. I've got, you know, the Ninja Turtles, street sharks, gargoyles, you name it. I got it. And I will put on a show from my childhood before, you know, I do vocal warmups, I'll do meditations, but I will put on a tape from something that I watched as a kid because I want the reminder as I'm walking into the booth that I am voicing potentially someone's watershed childhood show. And, you know, I really hope that Hamster and Gretel is, and I know it is, I really hope that this is going to provide some much needed levity for kids and families. It's definitely up there. It's when I saw it, I'm like, this is a classic. Well, that's high praise. I mean, look, I mean, you know what you're talking about. <laughs> like when I, and that's what I, I tell people is like, 
I know cartoons. Like I don't just work on cartoons. I can I consume and ingest animated media. It's it's yeah. You know, you're talking about <laughs> talking to someone. My therapist knows. And and uh, nostalgia is a powerful thing, and it's not a negative thing. It's a really really powerful thing to remember what it felt like to 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 be you know lost in the story. And I think as actors and, and like yourself as an artist. Um, if we lose the ability to go somewhere that doesn't exist, we lose the ability to hope and pretend and imagine and create. And that's kind of been the challenge of challenges because you, you know, we're obviously not together right now, but I'm, I'm sort of closing my eyes and imagining we're in the room together and trying to like make this feel like a conversation. That's what we do for voiceover. You know, we got these scripts. I don't have a scene partner. I'm imagining what Michael Cimino is saying or Beck is saying and sometimes if they get in there first, they'll play me back or Sarah, who's our voice director, will read me the lines so I can, you know, get the timing and, and acting is reacting. And one of the things about voiceover is we're creating our scene partners, we're creating our scenes, we're, we're, we're having to think, oh, okay, I'm over a highway and I'm throwing a car. Well, I, I better like, you know, project just a little bit because there's going to be cars honking, right? So we have to invent all that stuff. Yeah. You know? I'm going to be really open with you, and I I mentioned this because it kind of struck a chord with me. I was talking to an industry professional, and they said to me, you can't be in the voiceover or radio industry because it would take a while for people to understand your voice. And he's like, really? Wow. No, I... I, I that industry professional is incorrect. I, I think, you know, it's- I'm sorry I'm being so open, but- Why don't ever apologize? No, no, I, I mean, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think what I can share because I have something that is related, but I have to be careful about the project. I will just say one thing that we have not talked about was I had, um, you know, as a kid, I had a very similar thing because I have a, um, I, I have hyperglossia. So my tongue is physically too large for my mouth, right? So as a kid, until I, I, I had a very similar story to yours where I wanted to be an actor, wanted to do the thing. And I had a very, 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 very heavy speech impediment. Um, and you do not, I mean, you have, I, I, you have amazing clarity and, and I, you're a great storyteller and whoever told you this is incorrect respectfully, but when I was a kid, I couldn't even say my name. I said Block Powell, and I couldn't say Burger King. I, there were certain words that were really hard, and I was essentially tongue-tied. And it took many, many years of, of speech pathology to, to get to a place where I, I was able oh, to I articulate. Know, I, know, I know that all too well. I know that speech therapy. Yeah. But, but guess what? I, Those are all the same vocal warm-ups I do now as a professional actor. So everyone's like, how do you know all this stuff about your instrument? And you're like, I had to. I had to learn it. And I, I can't say what project it is, but at some point when it comes out, I will email you and I'll be like, this is what I was talking about. Bob. Um, I booked a character that had a similar speech impediment to mine when I was a kid. And, and the team was looking for someone who could either authentically have, have a speech impediment or had one that they worked out of so that the character, and this is the kind of intention that's happening in, in the animation conversation right now, that authenticity inclusivity I was telling you about. These are the conversations that are happening, which is why not try to find someone who can authentically emulate or or make that sound right um but so i I booked this character because it had they had a very similar speech impediment to what i had naturally um and we were able to have a conversation about it and this character happened to be an inspiration to me when i had my speech impediment because i thought wow they're getting to talk and be a part of the conversation and they're not made fun of for sounding different and, and so there's your full circle there, which is like, that's why inclusivity is so important. And it is so important to include everybody in, in the animation conversation, because you never know what kid is going to be on the other end of that screen and hear someone or see someone that looks and sounds like that or resonates with them. And um, I, I think it's just so important. And, and I, I will say like, if you, you absolutely, absolutely could do voiceover. If you, if you want to do animation, there is absolutely a character. There is. 
And I mean, you, you, you have the knowledge and the passion and that's the biggest thing is you understand animation and a lot of people, um, it can be really hard. And the technicality yeah. of it. Yeah. You know, I, so if I were to bring you in for a session, you would know if I said, Hey, the anvil's coming, you know, go great. And you can hear the whistle and react. Right. So you, you've yeah. watched enough of it that you know the medium. And I think that's also yeah. a huge thing. And I also know the production side of it. So yeah. I can tell you, you need to be this far away from the mics. And right. <laughs> otherwise, you're going to be clipping. Like, you know, it's like, cause the fact that I'm my own engineer, too, that, that helps you a lot, too. No, absolutely. And that's definitely a part of the skill set you need now. You have to have the recording ear for sure so this conversation has been absolutely wonderful i know i, I don't want to be done i refuse i don't <laughs> i have a couple more questions for you to wrap this up yeah take your time i'm good but so i asked you if you had any questions for me but my question for you is what is your exposure to people in wheelchairs. What do you know and what do you want to know? I'm happy to help. Yeah, no, I love, I, I so my um, grandmother who passed away was, was wheelchair bound almost the entire time I, I knew her. Um, I think the thing that I'm starting to be a little more aware of is, is accessibility in general to like, you know, with with my grandma especially there'd be conversations of well let's go to this event and let's let's go and and go see this movie and and the the stress and the anxiety of planning for her of how we were going to get there and where and and starting to open my eyes to that a little more and especially through the pandemic i think there's also a conversation, oh, yeah. right, about unseen these unseen disabilities and, and immunocompromised people, and um, I, myself being one of them, and, and having to have really, really careful conversations of where are we going to be, and are we going to be masked, and are we going to have, which is just the smallest bit of it. But I guess I, I would love to hear anything you want to share about your experience because it's not something that I personally know about. What do you hope people and family get? from this show i hope every family watching themes their halloween to hamster and gretel and they create their own super villains <laughs> and um uh i'm half joking i really hope that are you really come on no i want it very badly yeah i want there to be a whole i mean, we haven't even talked about this but i want it yeah i want there to be like hamster and gretel create your own villain halloween challenges and the whole thing and and who knows? I mean, we we definitely um, Dan's got the presence on TikTok, and it's definitely something that we could probably work out. I may or may not be putting together a cosplay of my own villain and taking to Oogie Boogie Bash on a night. <laughs> I may or may not have that. Of ready. course you are. <laughs> 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 how often do you get to dress up as your own Disney villain at a Disney villain night? Right? You don't. So, you don't. Yeah. Um, and I'm working with an artist uh, who's so, so great to create a special jacket for um, D23. Uh, I, you're welcome to shout him out. Uh, Small Town Weirdo. And that's his, his handle. And he makes these beautiful, he just, he'll paint um, anything onto a denim jacket. And it, it almost looks like street art. And so my friend Harvey, um, who voices Funny the Funhouse, and he's also um, Guillermo on what we do in the shadows, we, we worked together on a Mickey Mouse show together and we were down at a Disney event and he had this whole uh, amazing caricature of his character on a denim jacket. And I was like, where did you get this? I need one. And I've been waiting for the right character fit to get the jacket made. And I feel like Lyle um, fist puncher on a denim jacket with a little bit of tear in it is like, oh, that's perfect. This is the perfect character to highlight. You need that. I need that in my life. Hey, I'll, I'll be wearing it, and I and I will give everyone the information on how to get one. And hopefully, Disney, maybe Box Lunch will do something. But you never know. You never know. Honestly, everybody needs this show, and everybody just needs to smile and laugh and be transported to fun again.
play. Yeah, that's the big hope. I hope I hope families are encouraged to laugh and play, and this show inspires conversations about how to, you know, like oh, instead of just going to the grocery store, can we make this an adventure in our heads? Can we go off and, you know, uh, d- defeat the evil milkman and you know try to do these things? And I think it it and that's what's so cool about the show is the villains come from the mundane. So without mentioning too much about the villains that are coming on the show they are all connected to things that are in the real world but taken to the hundredth degree so you you have that Phineas and Ferb kind of a nader kind of thing where it's like oh it it's a this but the villains that we get are so creative but they're always based in like oh well that would make sense you know the small town villain would definitely theme themselves to this or that and I, I just hope it inspires um art and imagination and kids drawing superheroes and mom and dad running around in capes and tiny, tiny hamsters in little, little superhero suits. That's all I want. So on that note, where can people connect with you and say hi? Uh, If people want to say hi to me, uh, I have a convention in person. I have some limited convention appearances I'm doing at like COVID compliant conventions that I are posted to my uh, Twitter and Instagram digitally is always, I'm always accessible. You can find me at Brock talks on Instagram, B R O C K T A L K S. And then Brock talks phonetically B R O C K T O C K S S T O C K S on Twitter. Um, and, and yeah, yeah, I'm pretty easy to find Brock Powell um, voice actor. You can, you can find me. Well, I I think we're friends now. <laughs> I think so. I, this was such a great conversation. Like you could tell me like, oh, I didn't even hit record. We got to do it again. And I'd be like, oh, let's do it. Because <laughs> this was great. This is so great. Thank you so much. And we'll definitely keep in touch. Please. Yeah. The DJ Bob Show. Pop culture, past and present. <laughs>